0: listen, I lost an hour of sleep last night too, all right? <clears throat> and if, if I see that you're starting to fall asleep too much, we're just going to stand up right in the middle of the sermon, okay? And um, we'll keep you standing. No, I'm kidding. All right, so we're finishing up a series today called Experience God, Experiencing God. And we've talked about experiencing God through relationship, coming into that relationship with Him. We've talked about evangelism. You experience God when you start talking to somebody about Him. You experience His Spirit just empowering you and and, and doing something in your life and through you. Uh, Learning. We talked about learning. Learning what? Learning the fundamental truths of God's Word. No, that's boring. Yes, we do learn that stuff, right? What God likes and what God doesn't like and what God does, right? So that we can participate and so we can accommodate for Him living in our lives. Then we talked about adoration. Adoration, that is worshiping Him and and becoming intimate in our worship with Him, making Him bigger than anything else in our lives, worshiping Him. Uh, Then we talked about teamwork. We work together doing what Jesus did. And that's where we're commissioned. And if the church isn't sending you out into the community, then we're not doing our part. If you're not doing your part in touching lives and reaching people's lives, then you've missed out on a huge opportunity for you to experience God, all right? And so we work as a team here at the church, but also in the community. And it's so important, using your gifts and your talents and your abilities as we grow to begin to move in those areas. Then today we're going to talk about E, and it's empowerment, empowerment. Empowerment by God. You can experience His empowerment and God's Spirit being alive inside of you, but bigger than that. So I get, I don't know about you, but I get frustrated with video games, especially the ones that have all kinds of tools and, and tricks, and you've got to push this button for them to kick, and you got to push this button for them to spin, then you got to push these three buttons for them to spin and kick, and all of that at the same time. You ever played one of those? Yeah. When I would sit down with my kids, and they'd be like, here, Dad, take the controller, and this button does this and that, and this and that, and L1, and then L2, and... Oh. Okay. So we'd start the game and here's me. And sometimes I'd win. I'd be like, that was awesome. I have no idea what I just did. The guys on the screen doing all the stuff. In your life as a believer in Christ, God has equipped you and empowered you and he wants to empower you. He's equipped you with everything you need for you to live the life that he wants you to live. He's given you the remote, but it's not a remote, it's better than that. But he's equipped you and he wants you to live a life that's victorious and God is so wise and so amazing that he when he put all of this plan together, he wasn't like, "All right, you got to push A for forgiveness. You got to push B to tell someone about Jesus. You got to push L1 to you know, impart healing into someone's life and difficult things that, oh, you want to overcome temptation. All right. I hope it works. He didn't do things that difficult for us. He made it something way better than just that. You see, God has put his spirit inside of you and he's written his laws on your heart and on your mind so that you would know what he likes and what he doesn't like. And so that you'd begin to come into that relationship with him and accommodate for him in that relationship. So when you find yourself in a moment of panic, when you find yourself in a moment of of temptation, you're not reaching for the remote and don't know what to do. You can know what to do in a moment of temptation. And when you're at work and someone calls you a Jesus freak in front of everybody, instead of, oh God, what do I do? You can know what to do. All right, And when your marriage is threatened and suddenly you're thinking, oh my God, this is going to fall apart. What about my kids? What about my marriage? What about my, fam- my future? What's going on? God? Instead of reaching for this, you can know what to do and you can find help and you can find hope and peace. When the worst of the worst suddenly happens, you're not going to have to panic and try to push all the spiritual buttons you can possibly find. You can know what to do and God will empower you To live that way. And in these moments, it's time to access his power. In those difficult moments of life, it's time to access his power. How many of you know Jesus is powerful? This side really knows it. How many of you know Jesus is powerful? He is powerful. He is is a warrior. He created heavens and earth, Jesus did. That's what the scripture says. Jesus is, is the creator. It's awesome. And his power is available for you, and it's more than just getting saved. It's more than just following Jesus. God offers you way more than you just getting your name written down in the Lamb's book of life. Well, John, that's all I want. I just want to get to heaven. you need more. You need more. You see, a lot of people just accept Christ and they stop there. Okay, I accepted Jesus. I prayed the prayer. prayed the sinner's prayer. I heard someone on the radio. I came to church. God is, listen, God is, God is calling you to something more than just accepting Him. He's calling you to an intimate, close relationship with Him. Can you imagine getting married and never having intimacy? That would be horrible. Why be married? (laughs) Why? But man, when you're married and it works intimate and close and you know one another. You care about one another. You see, God wants that kind of relationship with his people. A lot of people have accepted Christ and they just stop there. But intimacy with God is also empowerment. And he will empower you to live for him. He will empower you to walk with him. You see, the closer you get to God, the more empowered you become. The closer you get to God, the more capable of overcoming temptation you you become. How many of you would like to overcome temptation better? The more intimate you get with God, the more He's able to strengthen you in a time of trial and struggle and problem and difficulty. He's able to embolden you and make your soul and your flesh more resolute to serve Him and be honorable to Him and be loyal to Him. The closer you get to Him, the more you feel Him, the more that you experience this relationship with Him. You see, God doesn't want you to be just followers. God wants you to be lovers of God. And you need to get okay with that. God wants you to be intimately close to Him. A lover of God. And when Jesus called his disciples, what did he say to them? How did he call them? What did he say? He said, follow me, right? But he had a plan for something more than just following him. You see, but following Jesus wasn't enough to just empower them. And Jesus knew they were going to need more than just to follow him. They saw miracles. Think about this. They saw miracles. They saw Jesus cast devils out of people. They saw Jesus raise the dead. But what happened when Jesus was arrested? So following Jesus wasn't enough. You can be on the path to following Jesus today, but when something happens, life happens, you've got to have more. And some of you have experienced that in your life. Some of you are trying to come back to Christ now and you're trying to figure this out because some years ago something happened and you you went away. And God is saying, I have more. I have more. I have more than just following me. You see, Jesus knew that just following him wouldn't be enough to get them through their future. He knew what these guys were going to face. And beyond that, Jesus wanted something way more than people just following him. Because that's kind of what God had all throughout the Old Testament. People saying, okay, we're going to follow God's laws. And boy, did they mess that up. They completely missed what God was really after. What was God really after? He was after love. He was after true intimate relationships. It's so important for us to understand that that's what God is after. You see, God wants deep, intimate relationships with His people. And He will have a deep, intimate relationship with you. He will have it with us as a group. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? So here's here's how He does it. Uh, This is to the best of my understanding of Scripture, all right? You see, God experiences. We've been talking about us experiencing God. But God experiences us through His Spirit living inside of us. God experiences you. He experiences your ability to love Him by His Spirit living inside of you. So here's what this looks like. Where is God the Father? He's seated on His throne. Where is Jesus? At the right hand of God on his throne. That's what the scripture says. So if that's where Jesus and God the Father are, then who's in here? The Holy Spirit. Spirit. So how does Jesus live and connect with us? By his spirit, right? And what does the spirit do? He helps us to understand things. You see, God, and and to help us to understand this concept, Jesus talked about the spirit being like water. He also talked, in another. the, the scripture also talks about it being like the wind or the air. But for this purpose today, we're going to talk about it like being like water, like Jesus talked about it. Um, you remember the woman at the well? I love this story. You got, I talk about it all the time. John chapter 4. Uh, Fatina, this this woman comes to the well, and you guys know the story. Jesus meets her, and, and Jesus begins to talk to her about living water. And he says, This, whoever drinks of the water that I will give them shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of springing, a well of water springing up to eternal life. What's he talking to her about? He's talking to her, to her about a, a, an experience that was that was salvation but even more than that more than salvation you see accepting Jesus into your life is like drinking a glass of water to a thirsty person and boy do I remember some of you when you first walked in this place you were dried up spiritually and you needed that drink and by the time the service was over I could tell you had drank from his spiritual water right and you walked out of here with oh, all the joy that filled your heart, right? And Jesus said to Fatini, hey, if you drink this water, you will have this experience. But he was, he was talking about this experience that was bubbling up, that was overflowing. So that's more than just a drink, isn't it? Jesus was talking about something more Happening besides just her drinking his spirit into her, it was describing, he was describing something way bigger, something way more. You see, Jesus started talking to his disciples about this. The closer he got to the point of death, Jesus was talking about this more and more. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. He began to introduce the Holy Spirit to his disciples. So I, I've, I've, I've given some thought to this. And it's hard to try to compare what Jesus did, the organization that God has done for us here, to anything. And the closest that I can begin to come to an understanding of it is, and I hate to even use these names in church, Bill Gates. You know, he had a a vision years ago that a computer wouldn't just be for the large companies and so forth. He had a vision that every household would have a personal computer sitting at their desk. That happened, right? Uh, Steve Jobs. Even more, that every person would walk around the world with one of these at their fingertips. Every individual having their own PC or their own iPhone, right? And so when it comes to this situation that God has provided for us here, Jesus, you know, he had close relationships. People that were very close to him, but he was limited to how many relationships he could have. Uh, God had a plan that was bigger than what Jesus could accomplish here on his own in the flesh, didn't he? God had a plan for every human being on the planet to have their personal experience with Jesus. Oh, that's huge. Now, for that to happen, Jesus had to leave. And for that to happen, he would be more present or he had to be more present when he left than before. Before. How is that possible? Michael, could you turn the air up just a little bit? It's a little, are you all chilly? If I'm chilly up here and I'm moving around. Well, Colette. (laughs) All right, so get this in mind. He had to be even more present than when he was here on planet Earth in body form. In order for each of us to have the opportunity to experience Jesus all throughout the rest of history, how, could it, how is it possible that he could be more present away from us than when he was here bodily? You see, there were some options he had. Jesus could have just duplicated himself. Wouldn't that have been fun? You accept Jesus into your heart? Jesus comes, and he's with you 24-7. And we all have our own Jesuses. And when we come to church, it's like, well, hello, Helen. This is Jesus. Would you introduce me to your Jesus? And we would all have our own Jesuses at home. In my house, that would be like seven more people in my house. This would be very inefficient. We'd have a lot of mouths to feed. Everybody's got their Jesus. Are you following me? How many millions of of Jesuses would we need to accomplish this for us to each have our own Jesus? So that was an option. I, I suppose it was an option. I'm sure that probably was thrown on the table. No, God's smarter than that, isn't He? Beyond that, Jesus being with us, God had a plan to have an intimate relationship with the people. And how awkward and weird would that be? Now listen, God isn't going to do anything awkward or weird with us. So, he had to devise a plan for him to be able to have an intimate, close relationship with us without anything awkward or weird going on, inappropriate. God is a good God. He's a loving God. And he's not ever going to do anything that is going to hurt you. He's not going to mess with your head Listen, he's not going to hurt you. He's not going to confuse you. He's not going to misuse you. He touches your emotions. He touches your inner life. And he will have an intimate relationship with you that is so beautiful and so awesome and appropriate. Now let me ask you a question. If a demon were to come inside of you, it's not going to happen with Jesus in you. But let's contrast, what does it look like when someone's demon-possessed? It's awful. They use, they abuse, they mess with their heads. Everybody becomes afraid of them. They're a threat to everybody. But when Jesus comes in, when God's Spirit comes inside of you, you know, all throughout the history of the church, we've heard, that Mary was chosen by God to mother the the Messiah because of her purity, because she was a virgin. I think it was more than that. I think it was God communicating to the world, look, I'm capable of going inside a human being and planting a seed inside her and connecting with her egg and making another human being without ever violating her, without using and abusing her, and in such a way. And listen, if God's Spirit is capable of doing that to Mary, then He's certainly capable of coming inside of you and me. And oh man, can you imagine the work that He could get done inside of you? Cancer, bad memories. Listen, when you give yourself over to the power of God, great things can happen. And God will never use you or abuse you. God's spirit is there for you. Jesus said this, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. What's he talking about? He's talking about coming inside of you. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, look at what he says. I will come in and eat with that person. It's intimacy. And they with me. And when you let him in, God's Spirit lives inside of you. And if he was... Capable of doing that with Mary, He's capable of doing it with us, especially because we've accepted Christ into our lives. You see, God is able to empower you. He's able to give you strength. He's able to give you victory. He's able to speak to you. He's able to tutor you. He's able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with you. And you will fear no evil because He is with you. Now, what it comes down to is this. Instead of Jesus staying here and saying, okay, guys, Line up, just one of me. Everybody line up for miles to come see me. Instead of Jesus doing that, and instead of Jesus saying, okay, we're not going to have one line for one of me. I'm going to duplicate me, and I'm going to be everywhere in anybody's life that they want me to be. I'm going to sl- stay with them, sleep in their homes, and be with them. I'm going to eat with them. I'm, every- I'm going to go to work with them. They're going be- to be- walk around with me all day long. Instead of doing that, Jesus did this. He gave his spirit. So the night Jesus was betrayed, he served communion, as I talked about earlier, and after which Jesus began to unload on them everything. Now, think about this. He knows, all right, this is ramping up tomorrow. This is my last time that I'm going to be able to really speak to these guys this way in this human form until after the resurrection. Then I've got other plans. I'm leaving this place. And Jesus is telling the disciples that night everything. He's cramming stuff into them. Uh, John chapter 14 through 17. If you want to read it, it's just like him dumping all that he needs them to know at the last minute on them all right and and he's telling them the same thing that I'm telling you today so let's read it John chapter 16 verse starting with verse 4 I was I was with you at first and so I didn't tell you these things so Jesus is like all right so I'm I'm with you now and I haven't told you these things but now since this is about to happen I'm going to tell you he says but now I'm going back to the father who sent me and none of you asks where I'm going He's like, it's kind of frustrating for him because he's he's like, man, you guys guys are so afraid of me leaving. You're not even asking where I'm going. You're, You're very sad from hearing all of this, but I tell you, I'm going to do what is best for you. You're sad that I'm leaving, but I'm going to do what is best for you. I've got this decision made to make this happen. I'm going to do what's best for you. I know you don't like that I'm leaving in this body, but this is what's going to happen. This is why I'm going away. The Holy Spirit cannot come to help you until I leave. But after I'm gone, I will send the Spirit to you. The Spirit will come and show the people of this world the truth about sin God's, and God's justice and the judgment. The Spirit will show them They're wrong about sin because they didn't have faith in me. They're wrong about God's justice because I'm going to the Father and you won't see me again. And they're wrong about the judgment because God has already judged the ruler of this world. I have so much more to say to you. You can just see him going, oh man, there's so much more to this. But right now, it would be more than you could understand. And look what he says. The Spirit shows what is true and will come and guide you into the full truth. He will tutor you. He will teach you what I want to say to you. The Spirit doesn't speak on his own. He will tell you only what he's heard from me. So Jesus tells the Holy Spirit what to say to you. He tells him how to communicate to you, what to tutor to you. You ever heard the Spirit of God talk to you? Jesus told him to say that to you. Oh, man, that's powerful. Jesus personally told him to say that to you. He says he will only tell, speak what he's heard from me. And he, will, and he will let you know what is going to happen. The Spirit will bring glory to me by taking my message and telling it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I have said the Spirit takes my message and tells it to you. So after Jesus was crucified... All right, so that night Jesus finished up that sermon. He's crucified the next morning. After he's crucified, 3 days later what happened? He rose from the dead, right? <clears throat> and over the next few weeks, for about 40, for 40 days, Jesus popped in and popped out, right? He showed himself to more than 600 people alive and well. That's awesome. And <clears throat> excuse me, and the day came for him to fulfill the promise. So after 40 days from his death, 40 days later, this is what took place at that time. He was going to fulfill this promise. He was going to leave. And he's standing there and he tells the, the, the disciples, everybody that's around, he says, listen, don't leave Jerusalem yet. Because he's already given a, a commission, right? He's already told them what to do. He says, but don't leave yet. Don't leave yet. Wait here for the Father to give you the Holy Spirit, just as I told you He has promised to do. He's promised it. John baptized with water, but in a few days, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is talking about something more than salvation. He was talking about giving you the same Spirit, the same empowerment that Jesus operated in while He was on this earth. And some of you are sitting there going, that's bogus. There's no way. But I'm telling you, it's true. It's true. Are we seeing all the same miracles that Jesus did? No, there's other issues involved with that. But we've got to grow into that. But that's what God wants. He wants more than anything, more than miracles, more than anything. God is after intimacy, closeness with you. The same power he had, he makes available to you and me. Wouldn't you like to overcome temptation? Wouldn't you love that? So Jesus said to them, you don't need to know the time of these events and that that the Father controls. He says, but the Holy Spirit, this is what he says just before he leaves, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power. Then you will tell everyone about me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and everywhere in the world. Now, another translation says, you'll be my witnesses. And the word witness there, can be translated also into the word in the English, martyr. I will give you so much power that you will be able to die for me. These are the same men that when Jesus was arrested, what happened to them? They became martyrs. They were capable of living for God to the death. And he says, Then you will tell everyone about me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and everywhere in the world. After Jesus said this, while they were watching, he was taken up into a cloud. They couldn't see him, but as he went up, they kept looking up in the sky. Suddenly, two men dressed in white clothes were standing there beside them. They said, why are you men from Galilee standing here and looking up into the sky? Jesus has been taken to. But he will come back in the same way you've seen him go. What's he saying? He's saying that's where Jesus is. But he told you to wait, right? And so 40 days after Jesus was crucified. So here's the cool thing. So many of them did as Jesus said. They went into this place called the upper room. And listen, he told like 600 people to be there, only 120 showed up. Boy, they missed out, didn't they? And they gathered in this upper room and they waited for the prophesied promise from God. And 10 days later would be what's called the day of Pentecost. You ever heard that word? Now... To be honest with you, in this area, the culture of this area, it seems like this has been so used and abused that people just completely throw it out. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's scary to even think about the word Pentecost. Oh, those Pentecostals, a bunch of crazy people. Don't you know the devil likes to distort stuff, the things of God? And don't you know he wants to distort the most important thing that God wants and that is intimacy with him now listen you don't need this to be saved but I'm going to tell you from personal experience I need it to stay saved I need his empowerment I need his help so they gathered in the upper room the day of Pentecost it was a harvest festival that the Israelites had been celebrating for hundreds of years. And they had no idea what it was going to mean when it would be fulfilled. Pinta means 50. So 50 days after Jesus was killed. 50 days. It was a festival, a feast day, celebrating what they had just celebrated, the festival of harvest. And on that day, God did something absolutely amazing. And he made it possible for you and me to receive his power. And what was about to happen had been prophesied for hundreds of years. James David, would you come? They had no idea what God was about to do with that feast. So Jesus had been gone for 10 days. Get this in heart and mind. He'd been gone for 10 days. You can imagine the discouragement. What's he going to do? He said he's leaving, but he's going to send somebody else. What's he going to do? How is this going to come? You see, before Jesus, God's Spirit couldn't live inside of anybody. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, it made it possible for them to say, God, I want you to live inside of me like you and I have. And God came alive inside, quickened our soul, right? But God invites you to more of that. Please, listen, this, this, there's no pressure on this. Only God can do this. I've seen counterfeits, but you're going to know when you experience it that it's God and it's not me. not me. We're not going to bring in some preacher that's going to get you all excited and do something. I I was talking to God on the way here this morning. I said, God, would you do this for your people? Your word says it. It's available. But you know, we're so culturally strapped and we've got all these boundaries and barriers between us and God. We can't get to Him anymore. And what it takes is vulnerability. Listen, He's not going to hurt you. He's going to live inside of you and He wants you to be so full of Him that like Jesus said to the woman at the well, it's like a wellspring of life. He wants you to be enveloped by Him. On the day of Pentecost, all the Lord's followers were gathered together in one place. Suddenly, There was a noise from heaven like the sound of a mighty wind. Listen, I've heard it. I have personally heard this on the mission field. A violent wind. Just... It filled the house where they were meeting. Then they saw what looked like fiery tongues moving in all directions. I haven't seen that don't need to and a tongue came and settled on each person there the holy spirit took control of everyone and they began speaking whatever languages the spirit let them speak many religions jews many religious jews from every country in the world were living in jerusalem And when they heard this noise, a crowd gathered. But they were surprised because they were hearing everything in their own languages. They were excited and amazed and said, Don't all these who are speaking come from Galilee? Then why do we hear them speaking our very own languages? Some of us are from, and then they list all the different places. Some of us were born Jews, and others of us were born, were chosen to be Jews, yet we all hear them using our own languages, telling us wonderful things God has done. Everyone was excited and confused. Some of them even kept asking each other, what does this mean? Others made fun of the Lord's followers and said, oh, they're just drunk. Now, let this, this is awesome. Just days before this, Peter had been restored into ministry. After he denied Jesus, three times he denied Jesus while Jesus was being beaten. And Jesus restores him into ministry. And what does he say? Peter, do you love me? Isn't that what he said? Do you love me? That's what I'm after. Do you love me? And he asked him three times to give him an opportunity to repent of his three times that he denied. And what did he say? Feed my sheep. You love my people. I will empower you to do that. And Peter, the same guy that denied Christ three times for the first time, he steps up and he preaches his first sermon. Because God empowered him. Friends and everyone else in Jerusalem, listen carefully to what I have to say. You are wrong to think these people are drunk. After all, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. He even had a sense of humor. But this is what God told the prophet Joel to say. When the last days come, I will give my spirit to everyone. My spirit to everyone. I will duplicate myself inside everyone. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will have dreams. In those, I must be old because I'm having dreams, in those days I will give my spirit to my servants. In those days I will give my spirit to my servants, both men and women. I will work miracles in the sky above and wonders on the earth below. There will be a blood of, and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will turn dark and the moon will be as red as blood before the great and wonderful day the Lord appears. Then the Lord will save everyone who asks for his help. Wow. And Peter just goes on and on. He was a long-winded preacher. Listen, yes, God wants you to be saved. What I'm telling you is it's way more than just getting saved. It's way more than just saying a prayer at the end of some sermon. It's way more than you just saying, okay, I believe Jesus come into my heart and life, and then I'm just going to grit my teeth and struggle through this life and hope that I get to go to heaven. It's way more than that. There's intimacy with God. There's closeness. And look what Jesus said. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see, God fulfills his promises in various ways. For each individual, there, there were some people that as we went through, go throughout the New Testament, you'll see experiences of people receiving this in, as, as, as their own. You'll see it. Uh, Acts chapter 10 in the house of Cornelius, he, was a, he wasn't even a Jew, a house full of Gentiles. Immediately when they got saved, those people got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it says it was just like what happened in the beginning. And later on, you have other experiences where they were like, hey, have you received since you believed? No, we haven't. What are you talking about? Well, let's, let's pray. So here's what you need to know. You need to ask, and you need to trust, and you need to wait. Be willing to wait. And as God begins to draw you closer and begins to work in your life, whatever needs to come out of the way between you and him. You see, this is about making yourself vulnerable to God. Why did he choose the tongue? Because it is absolutely the most unruly member of your body. And he wants to give you power to control yourself and to speak truth and to live the way of God. He wants to empower you. I've talked to people that it happened to them in the middle of the night while they were sleeping because they asked for it. I even talked to one guy who works at an oil company. He's an executive or something out there, and he happened in the shower. (laughs) Ask, seek, and you not. Listen, Jesus was knocking at the door when you let him in. Now it's time for you to knock. God, baptize me. Listen, this is separate. It's different from just getting saved. You understand that? You don't have to have this to get to heaven. But I don't know about you. I need it to make it. (laughs) I had no idea the, the difficult times that I would go through in my life and I'm so grateful that I've got this because God has empowered me. Would you bow your heads? Do you want intimacy with God? God wants it with you. He wants to be close to you. He wants you to hear him throughout the day. He wants you to know him. He will share himself with you. Will you talk to him? God, I want your spirit. Jesus, I want to know you personally. I invite you into my life and I want to be baptized in your spirit. I want to be enveloped by your spirit. I want to know you. I want to know you. Just ask him. Trust. He might do it right now. maybe in the middle of the night. And When it happens, you're going to know it's Him. God, I thank You. Thank You, O oh God. God, I remove all the barriers between You and me. In Jesus' name.